Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Done to death by slanderous tongues, wrote William Shakespeare in his play Much Ado About Nothing. Shakespeare may be a renowned English playwright, poet, and actor, but... You may not know he has a bit of a credibility problem among some circles, and he has for quite a long time. In fact, Samuel Clemens, popularly known as Mark Twain, once said, quote, So far as anybody actually knows and can prove, Shakespeare of Stratford-on-Avon never wrote a play in his life. Dozens, some say hundreds, but we didn't count, of books and essays have been published on something known as the Shakespeare Authorship Question. We're going to talk about some theories that suggest Shakespeare himself was a fake before we talk about a known Shakespeare fake. The story of a man who wrote a five-act play pretending to be the bard. That could not have been easy. How now, good friends, and welcome to Criminalia. I'm Maria Tremarki. And I'm Holly Fry. William Shakespeare is well-known as a prolific writer during the Elizabethan and Jacobean ages, sometimes called the English Renaissance or the Early Modern Period. But some people suggest that the name is actually a pseudonym for someone else, or someone else's, plural. And it's a theory that's been endorsed by numerous artists and scholars over the decades, ranging from Twain, as Maria just mentioned, and Walt Whitman, to Sigmund Freud and Orson Welles. Tyrone Guthrie, who is the founder of Canada's Stratford Shakespeare Festival, and Mark Rylance, the founding artistic director of the reconstructed Globe Theatre in London, have also both expressed skepticism about the provenance of his manuscripts. The idea that a man named William Shakespeare did not write the works we know of in the Shakespearean canon is a very controversial one. Because if he didn't, then who did? So we do know some things about William Shakespeare. He's not a blank slate. 
He was born in April of 1564 in Stratford-upon-Avon, where his father, John, was a glover and leather worker who also held various municipal offices in town, including Burgess, Alderman, and High Bailiff. Scholars don't know whether or not Shakespeare was educated, but it's assumed he was, and that he attended, at the very least, a local grammar school. His father's positions in town would have allowed for him to educate his children. Will married Anne Hathaway in November of 1585, and over the next few years, the couple had three children. It's not until he's 28 years old when he shows up in the historical record in London as a working actor. He's later listed as a member of a prominent acting troupe known as Lord Chamberlain's Men. By his mid-30s, his name begins to appear on the title pages of plays, and records suggest he was also a shareholder in the Globe Theatre. In addition to his name in writing and acting records, experts can also link the William Shakespeare of Stratford to the William Shakespeare of the Theatre in London, because in 1596 there are records that while he was living in London, Shakespeare of Stratford renewed his father's previously unsuccessful application for a coat of arms and title of gentleman. It was granted sometime in the next couple of years. In 1602, a listing of the crest appeared in a manuscript, along with a sketch of the Shakespeare coat of arms attributed to, quote, Shakespeare ye player by Garter. Garter here means it was granted by William de Thick, Garter King of Arms, the highest-ranking herald in the College of Arms. In his late 40s, records indicate that Shakespeare retired back to Stratford, and that is where he died at age 52. When he died, he had four grandchildren, all of whom died without heirs, and that means there are no direct descendants of William Shakespeare alive today, at least none that are known. And that can sometimes be an opening for fakes and frauds to fill that void. But there's quite a bit we don't know about Shakespeare, too. Literary tradition has always credited a man named William Shakespeare as the writer of 37 plays, two major narratives in verse, 154 sonnets, and for introducing upwards of 1,700 new words into the English language. Documents from the time also list him as the writer of additional plays that weren't published with his name on them, but also note here that at the time, publishing a play without accredited author was pretty common practice. They typically would have been performed by the acting company he performed with. This question of whether or not Shakespeare wrote the works published under his name is known as the Shakespeare authorship question and it was first proposed during the Victorian era. And there are many theories. His identity has been questioned, his gender has been questioned, and his writing as well. Over the years, one name has sat at the top of the list of potential authors, and that is Edward de Vere, the 17th Earl of Oxford. He has been at the top of anti-Stratfordians lists since the 1920s. So, anti-Stratfordians are those people who believe someone other than the man named William Shakespeare from Stratford wrote the plays commonly attributed to him. Essayist Sir Francis Bacon, as well as William Stanley, the sixth Earl of Derby, have also topped some people's lists of possible authors. Some modern-day historians also have a theory that suggests Shakespeare wrote in collaboration with others, including Elizabethan playwright Christopher Marlowe. 
Marlowe, a contemporary of Shakespeare, is known for his plays, including the famous Dr. Faustus. He was first suspected of contributing to the Shakespeare plays Henry VI, Part I, Part II, and Part Three, as well as possibly other Shakespeare plays during the late 16th century. It's a theory that's gained traction and research. As of 2016, Marlowe is now credited alongside Shakespeare by the Oxford University Press as co-author on the title pages of the three Henry VI plays. Gary Taylor, one of the new Oxford Shakespeare's general editors when the decision was made, said of the update, quote, rivals sometimes collaborate. The decision to note the co-authors doesn't settle the questions surrounding the Bard, but is, still, a really interesting development. Reported by the BBC in 2016, a team of international researchers identified 17 of 44 Shakespeare works as being likely written in collaboration with other playwrights. Regarding the authorship question, Jonathan Bate, a Shakespeare expert at the University of Warwick, not far from Stratford, has stated, quote, If Shakespeare hadn't been metamorphosed into a god, nobody would think it was worth having an authorship controversy about him. Also among the Stratfordians is Patrick Cheney, scholar of English Renaissance literature and professor at Pennsylvania State University. To those who believe that Shakespeare couldn't have written the canon attributed to him because of an assumed lack of education and worldly experience, those are two very common arguments, Cheney has said, quote, lunacy. The Shakespeare authorship controversy is all conspiracy. Not a single reputable scholar I know has the least doubt that William Shakespeare of Stratford-upon-Avon wrote the plays and poems ascribed to him. Shakespeare was not simply a genius. He was, by all accounts, a voracious reader. The plots from nearly all his plays and poems come from books. In regard to this authorship question, there are a few other things some people point out as potentially problematic as well. None of Shakespeare's original manuscripts exist. There's one surviving manuscript, The Book of Sir Thomas More, a play that was connected to Shakespeare in the 1800s, and it probably includes his handwriting. He's thought to have contributed to that work. And then there are a half dozen signatures, mostly on legal documents, including his marriage record, his three-page will, and some business papers unrelated to writing. That leaves a lot of room for interpretation and wonder and fraud. Were his masterpieces misattributed? Is Shakespeare fake? Even author Henry James wrote to a friend in 1903 that he was, quote, haunted by the conviction that the divine William is the biggest and most successful fraud ever practiced on a patient world. Maybe Shakespeare did work with several other dramatists at the time. Maybe his works were actually composed by others who hid behind a pseudonym. Maybe it's all forgery, or maybe Shakespeare from Stratford did write everything from The Taming of the Shrew to Henry VIII and everything in between. We are definitely not going to conclusively work this one out today. But whether you fall into Team Stratfordian or Anti-Stratfordian, though, we can all agree on one thing. William Shakespeare, real man or pseudonym, did not pen the play Vortigern and Rowena. That work came from a man named William Henry Ireland, who attributed it to the Bard. 
In Twelfth Night, Shakespeare wrote, or maybe he wrote, we don't know, but we can't resist. <laughs> Shakespeare wrote, quote, some are born great, some achieve greatness, and others have greatness thrust upon them. Unfortunately, though, for William Henry, his Shakespeare forgeries did not launch him into greatness. We are going to take a break for a word from our sponsors. When we return, we'll meet William Henry Ireland, a creative and a dreamer who really just wanted to impress his dad. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions. And I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day to day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older in <laughs> that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash that's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash Criminalia for 10% off your first order. Welcome back to Criminalia. The hoax began when William Henry taught himself how to forge the signature of William Shakespeare. And he did not stop there. William Henry Ireland was born on August 2nd, 1775, and dreamed of being an actor, 
poet or maybe a playwright when he grew up. But it turns out he wasn't a very good student. In fact, one of his former headmasters in London later recalled he had told William Henry's father, Samuel Ireland, that, quote, his son was so stupid as to be a disgrace to his school. It's no secret that neither of William Henry's parents spent much time with him, and his father was known to joke-slash-not-so-candidly hint that William Henry couldn't really be his son. Samuel spent his spare time in his book collections, art, and curios, not typically with his family, and especially not with his son. What Samuel wanted most was an example of Shakespeare's authentic handwriting. William Henry recalled in 1832, quote, Frequently, my father would declare that to possess a single vestige of the poet's handwriting would be esteemed a gem beyond all price. William Henry grew up hungry for his father's attention. Knowing that his father loved and collected the works of William Shakespeare, just around Christmas of 1794, he sneaked a few books from Samuel's study, and he began practicing, by tracing, Shakespeare's signature. Though the exercise may have seemed harmless initially, it would become his first of a series of forgeries. William Henry worked as an apprentice in a law office, and there he had access to decades, maybe centuries, worth of old parchment, deeds, and examples of old forms of writing. To make his forgeries, he used blank parchment cut from an old rent roll with used ink that he diluted with bookbinder's chemicals. He darkened the ink by holding the parchment close to a flame. And finally, he'd attach wax seals he had cut from old deeds in the office. In 1875, he presented his father with a gift, a parchment deed signed by the bard himself. He told his father how a friend, whom he called Mr. H, had discovered an old trunk filled with manuscripts and documents dating back to the Renaissance. And there were among them documents signed by Shakespeare. In truth, though, the documents were actually signed by William Henry. William Henry went on to forge more documents that he attributed to Shakespeare, and his, air quote, finds grew increasingly more exciting for Samuel. He produced correspondence between the Bard and other well-known figures from the Elizabethan and Jacobean eras. The documents included love letters written to his wife, Anne Hathaway, a letter from Queen Elizabeth I, and there was a document wherein Shakespeare outlined his devotion to the Protestant faith. And that was a really interesting inclusion because his faith has been debated over the centuries. William Henry then began to produce books allegedly annotated in the margins by Shakespeare, which he claimed came from the playwright's library. And in short time, he also gifted to his father an early draft of the play King Lear that included small edits to the well-known manuscript, and a few pages of Hamlet when it was a work in progress. For a brief time, Samuel Ireland's Shakespeare collection was the talk of London, and proud of it, he held scheduled hours during which the curious could view his, I'm going to air quote this original, Shakespeare manuscripts. And people did. He hosted scholars, a future bishop, England's poet laureate, these discoveries were really exciting because up until that point, historians knew of nothing written in Shakespeare's own hand that had survived the centuries, except four signatures on legal documents. 
And many people believe them to be authentic, including people who probably should have known better. But prior to Samuel's showing, though, few had had a chance to actually see them up close and see the details. Now that they were being displayed and published copies were available, the critical response shifted from excited to skeptical. The documents caught the attention of Edmund Malone. Malone, who was an esteemed literary scholar and biographer, denounced the manuscripts as forgeries and published a detailed and very critical account that documented all the ways in which Samuel Ireland's collection of documents was fraudulent. He published his findings just two days before the first performance of Vortigern and Rowena, the allegedly new Shakespeare play that William Henry Ireland claimed he had discovered. And on that literary bombshell, we are going to take a break for a word from our sponsors. We'll meet you right back here to talk about opening night of the play that William Henry wrote and misattributed to Shakespeare. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back to Criminalia. Okay, we've got a lot to talk about, including William Henry's confessional autobiography and how his father never gave him credit for his forged gifts. But first, we got to talk about that play. William Henry didn't just discover lost manuscripts. The topper of his counterfeit career was when he wrote a complete five-act play and then said it was written by Shakespeare. This was the historically-themed forgery Vortigern and Rowena. 
Vortigern was a brutal 5th century king of the Britons. William Henry's inspiration for the character, he later claimed, came from medieval writings that had been adapted and copied over the centuries. He drew ideas from the 1577 Hollinshed's Chronicles, from Elizabethan history of England, and the history of Anglo-Saxon and early Norman rulers. The plot goes basically like this. The King of the Britons offers his loyal servant, a character named Vortigern, the opportunity to rule over some of the kingdom. In response, Vortigern decides the best course of action is to murder the king and take all the land. He falls in love with Rowena, the daughter of one of his generals, and abandons his wife to be with her. And in the end, Vortigern loses in battle against enemy lords, but is allowed to keep his life. The play's been described as part Hamlet, part Macbeth, and part King Lear, and it's also 100% Shakespeare-free. It was Samuel who negotiated the production of the play, through playwright and politician Richard Brinsley Sheridan at Sheridan's Theatre Royal in Drury Lane in 1796. It debuted before a packed house on the evening of April 2nd that year. Things started strong, then went south, and ultimately, it was a flop. Opening acts were greeted with ovations from an audience that was actually split on whether or not they thought the play was authentic Shakespeare. But by the fifth act, an unconvinced and unimpressed crowd was shouting and catcalling at the stage. Even the lead actor, the renowned John Philip Kemble, expressed his doubts as to the play's authenticity. Sheridan, too, was doubtful, and though the fuzzy authenticity of the new play was not a secret, he'd left Shakespeare's name off the playbill just in case. That night was its first and only performance, and Vortigern wouldn't return to any stage for two centuries. In the end, Samuel may have been the primary victim of his son's Shakespeare forgeries. He believed they were authentic, and he promoted them as so. And, at least initially, skeptics blamed him for the hoax. In an effort to restore his father's good reputation, and realizing he just couldn't sustain this level of deception, William Henry wrote and published a full confessional autobiography entitled The Confessions of William Henry Ireland containing the particulars of his fabrication of the Shakespeare manuscripts. That's, that's pretty straightforward. <laughs> in it, he takes full responsibility for the forgeries, writing he hoped the public would, quote, deem the whole the act of a boy without any evil or bad intention. Remember, he was just 19 when he forged his first signature. Not that makes it okay, but just remember, 19. His confession, though, didn't help his reputation. In his book, The Boy Who Would Be Shakespeare, modern author Doug Stewart describes the confession as one where William Henry's, quote, not contrite in the slightest. It's more of a boast. He's saying, I wrote these papers, me, these papers that have been praised by critics. Many people, though, seeing the confession, refused to believe him. They thought he was claiming credit for something that somebody else had done. And his father, Samuel Ireland, was one of those people. He refused to believe that his son was capable of masterminding such a hoax, and also didn't believe he was smart enough to carry it out. He believed that William Henry was lying about the forgeries to draw attention to himself. Samuel never spoke to his son again, 
and it's said went to his grave convinced his Shakespeare collection was authentic. William Henry lived in London his whole life and spent his years writing poetry and prose, but he lived and worked in obscurity until his death in 1835. Much later in his life, he stated he'd been surprised by all of the fuss that his alleged discoveries had caused. What had started as an attempt to receive parental affection and respect from a detached and uncaring father turned into a notable literary hoax in history. As a young law clerk, he produced a lot of Shakespearean fabrications. Over just 18 months, William Henry created at least 170 fake Shakespearean manuscripts, from deeds to plays, all of which he gave to his father, much to Samuel's delight. William Henry was never charged with a crime, and that's because he never made any money from this scam. It is not illegal to copy a signature and give it to your father. Unless you're his father, who probably thought it was the worst crime of all time. It's time for Bogus Bevy. It is time for a Bogus Bevy. I was trying to think of things that people routinely drank during both Shakespeare's time and... And William. Ireland's time. And the thing that I kept coming back to was ale. And I wanted to make something that that looks like ale, but it's not at all an ale. (laughs) So it's actually a cocktail. I'm going to give myself a mark of 82% on lookalikeness here. It's a little too pink. Ale has that deep amber color, usually. Yeah. Like a head on it from the foamosity. Here's what we're doing. (laughs) You're going to start with two ounces of cranberry mango juice. Oh, my God. I mean, just for me, I always go with the low sugar stuff, as people always know, just because I don't like the heaviness of a fully loaded sugary juice. So any of these that I mention, I'm going with the low sugar version. Two ounces of cranberry mango juice, a half an ounce of egg white, because we got to make that head, and then an ounce and a half of gin. And you are going to shake this with ice until it is so very cold. Now, you can put it in a Pilsner glass, but it's too small to actually fill it. But if you want to double the recipe and do that, you could. Just keep in mind you're having two cocktails at that point in time. (laughs) Be very careful. And then to add to that, you are going to top it with about an ounce and a half of cream soda. This biz is so yummy, I don't know what to do with myself. (laughs) And it's one of those dangerous drinks because... Cream soda has, if you get a good one, it has a very robust flavor. And between that and the cranberry and the mango, gin flavor completely obscured. You would not know you were drinking an alcoholic beverage. You really want to be careful with this one, but it is spectacularly delicious. We're calling it fake spear, which I gave away to Maria before we started. And I was like, why did I say the word? (laughs) Because it's fun to say. (laughs) It's fun to say fake spear. You didn't say, hey, the drink is called. You just, you, I did yes. not. Did I not just give used it away. the word <laughs> cavalierly, just threw it around. Um, this is one that is not too difficult to make into a mocktail. You have options. You can just skip the gin entirely and add a little more to your cran mango and your mm-hmm. cream soda. And as I said, this does come out, depending on the brand you buy, mine was a little pinkish to begin with but I'm willing to let that go because the deliciousness factor. You could probably try this with a crayon pineapple and get closer to an ale color if that's really important. But really, the important thing is, yum. 
<laughs> so for your mocktail, like I said, you can eliminate the gin entirely. You can also do the trick we've been doing a lot in recent seasons, which is to use a little bit of flat tonic water. But I honestly think because the resulting cocktail obliterates any flavor or sense that the gin's there, it's easier just to leave it mm-hmm. out. And then you just have a super yummy, fruity, creamy... Cream soda. I love cream soda. It's so yummy. It doesn't taste like ale at all, but it's very <laughs> good. And it smells very good as you are bringing the glass I to your lips. Bet. Ugh. Ugh. Yum. Uh, it's a little more tropical, probably, than anything anything Ireland ever drank. (laughs) (laughs) And that's okay. We hope that if you make this, you enjoy it. And we want to thank you for spending this time with us. We hope that you'll be back with us next week with another forgery and another bogus bevy. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.